Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode. Hey, guess what? Before we get into it, you might have heard, I am drafted to the two Ramagpies as a part of the Carlton Draft. I'm going to be playing a game, dominating, kicking six, and then resetting at quarter time. For the first time in Carlton Draft history, one lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT, Erin Phillips, to play as a wild card. How bloody good's that? If you want to enter this now to get her down to your football club, visit thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com. .au. 18 plus, drink responsibly. Cobram Estate is the most awarded Australian extra virgin olive oil. Let it be the hero when entertaining family and friends. Cobram Estate extra virgin olive oil is fresh and full of flavour. Perfect for roasting, frying, baking, dressing salads and for dipping bread. Make your food taste even better with a little help from Cobram Estate. Premium quality, great tasting and a versatile healthy alternative. Buy in store at all major retailers. Yes, welcome back to Tradies. Sam McClure and Mitch Cleary. Each week we chat the trading, the buying and the selling of AFL players. We even do it in grand final week. And uh, it's with great sadness that I welcome my co-host Mitchell, not from the studio, but from Brisbane where he's been based for Channel 7, but it was with great happiness that I welcome him for the first time officially as the new (laughs) chief football reporter. Mitchell, congratulations. Thank you, Samuel. You've been in my corner the whole way through, so I've really appreciated the support and uh, that from the tradies community this year. But yes, official, it's been announced. So, uh, how are you feeling? Honestly, Tom, I know we take the piss a little bit on this program, but it's a, mate. It's a really, it's a great milestone. You've you've worked hard for a long time. You started very young. You've come up through the ranks, and this is something to be very proud of. Yeah, I, I'm extremely proud, and um, it has been pretty crazy 10 years since I think you and I were first duking it out for stories what we were both 19, 20, 10 years ago. Now, to be put in this position, um, it's not something obviously I coveted when I arrived at seven. I thought Tom would be in the role for for a long, long time. And, and Steve over So just, him, just so. Clint, this is not the Herald Sun interview. You can actually speak like a normal person. You don't have to speak <laughs> in sound bites and quotes. Christ. It was good to chat to Jackie. Um, so, no, honestly, like – I, I grew up, Sam, wanting to become a newspaper reporter yeah. and write back page stories for the Herald Sun and got a job working for Hutchie and Damo at Croc Media and then to think in, in 10 years I'm chief footy reporter for seven, I would never have never had that in my wildest dream. So, no, I have had a moment over the last week or so just to think it's it's pretty cool, but I, know, I don't think it really changes what we do really. Is it's uh, it's a title at the end of the day. It's, it's a cool title and uh, something to work on, but... Uh, Still got to keep bringing the stories each night. It might change how I have to introduce you, though. I should probably refer to you as Chief now, and show it's you probably only fair, isn't show it? Show you proper yeah. respect. Um, yeah. So the chief, the new chief, has been put in Brisbane for the week. Yep. So what does that entail? What? Yeah. So I flew up Friday to cover Michael Voss's press conference and Carlton training before the prelim. Stayed Saturday night. Great access inside uh, Brisbane for the prelim, bit of pregame stuff for that game. And then from there, it's just basically we had a flexi flight back. So we thought if Carlton win, I'll come home on Sunday and, and follow the Blues for the week. And if Brisbane win, I'll, I'll stay up here. So moved hotels a couple of times, been uh, been rolling around, just been trying to find out things happening inside the Lions uh, and embedded myself uh, at their Springfield base uh, for the week. So it's it's been exciting. I did similar last year for Sydney. It's, it's really enjoyable to, to tell some different stories. I've spoken to guys like Connor McKenna, Oscar McInerney, 
um, you know, guys, we being in, from Melbourne don't sort of know a great deal about, but um, it's been cool to sort of hear some of their stories and, and sort of be, be able to explain them over the next few weeks. So if you were only going for a few days, mm. how did you know how many clothes to pack? It's funny. Last year, I actually brought three pairs of jocks and socks for the trip to Sydney and I stayed there for the rest of the week. I still remember going downstairs in the middle of Sydney CBD to Target and Kmart or Big W or whatever it was to try and find a, another set of jocks. Uh, don't sort of go more than just the one day on the on the same pair. Um, so I came Dude, prepared this year knowing that I'll – well, you know, we want to take the tradies fans along for the ride for the week. How's your grand final oh, week been? I, I, I actually uh, wasn't asking. I saw you no, went no, a bit no, quiet. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not done yet. I'm not done. I'm not asking about okay. jocks. Like, were you living up there off what two shirts and one t-shirt this week or last year? No, no, this week. This week I've got five shirts. I brought the tucks up for the brownlow, and I've got two other suit jackets. Do you wear anything else other than suits? Are you, are you fucking I'm in, James I'm in Bond a t-shirt now. I've got a couple of pair of jeans or chino things, um, but we are mostly in the suit. You get home, it might go to the pub for dinner. I actually went to the Greyhounds last night. You'll never believe this, how I found myself at the Greyhounds. I went to the Brecky Creek Hotel. So I did the pre-Brownlow without trying to bore people, did the pre-Brownlow red carpet, lines arrived, rolled on. We all think Dacos, Bontempelli, Petrarca, Butters are the favourites. Gets to about six rounds in. I'm, I'm having a, a beef brisket at the Brecky Creek Hotel, which is about 10-minute, 15-minute drive from the Gabba. And I look at the leaderboard. We've had a, they've put it on seven, mate, got the whole pub watching the Brownlow count, and Lockie Neal has shot into favoritism. So I think, geez, I need to get back to the Gabba uh, and, and tell this story. So here I was going back with our our camo Bryce to uh, head back to the Gabba, did a cross for the latest at 11.15 last night. I was back at Springfield this morning with Lockie Neal um, at 8.30 for his press conference. Anyway, that's my week. How's yours been? I, I saw you went a bit quiet in the tradies group chat last night. Were you, what were you up to for Brownlow? What do you mean I went a bit quiet? We weren't even talking. I was just on the couch with Diva, yeah. watching it like everyone else, trying to stay awake. Christ, they drank. <laughs> I thought you might have. I thought you might have brought the Brownlow, you know, trade element along for the ride with us, and and you know, got involved in the group chat. How did you find the count? You, you you've, you're usually the best dressed man there. I was the best dressed man on the couch at home. It was great. <laughs> no, no, I've been the last few years and uh, didn't go this year, and it was good having a year off. I tell you that much. It's it, it's it's a tough event. Because I don't know how else you, you do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of how else do you actually do the Brownlow than just reading out, you know, 24 rounds of nine matches and try to make it interesting. And ju- anyway, I, extra I, I, round this year as well. Yeah, I did enjoy Gill's last one and the extra theatre that he brought to it. He's, he's nailed that. Andrew Dillon's got a big, big shoes to fill in. Anyway, can we get, let's, the, enough of the, uh, the smack that we often talk about off the top of this pod. Let's get straight into it. The North Melbourne compensation directly related yep. to the trades that you and I talk about week in, week out. It's it's a fascinating one. So so l- let me mount both arguments for you, Mitch. So Gil McLaughlin, Laura Kane, and Andrew Dillon would say that North Melbourne have been the worst performed team of any team in VFL, AFL history in a five-year period in the last five years. And it is incumbent yep. on us to pull as many levers as we can to make sure that each and every of our 18 franchises, sorry, 18 clubs, probably the better way of describing it, is is as competitive as they can be. That is a fair and reasonable argument. And ultimately, the AFL have the right to make that decision. You know, I sort of, my eyes rolled into the back of my head a little bit when I read the statement saying it was, it came from the commission. Like, (laughs) as if the commission make that decision. It's made by the executive, it's ratified by the commission, but we all know how these things work. Mm -hmm. The argument against it 
is that, and I'm stealing a little bit of what Chris Scott said on 360, they've played in eight finals in the last 10 years. Two of them were prelims. They've got a plethora of first and second round draft picks, which me and my research assistant Dan took you through when I was in Byron, right, about the ones that they've missed and the ones that they've hit. Brad Scott literally went to them and said, hey, guys, we're not in a good spot here. We need to rethink our, our list structure. And they said, no, 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 no. We think we're actually pretty close. He left. They get reshore in. The place imploded. That nothing to do with reshore, by the way. I'm just saying from that point. Like a lot of their wounds are self-inflicted. Yeah. So why bail them out? You know, it's like it reminded me um, of Steve Carell's character in The Big Short when he was talking to Marissa Tomei. He was playing his wife. It's like that. They didn't care. The, the banks. They didn't care. They just did whatever the fuck they wanted to do. And then eventually they knew that the government would bail them out. Mm. And I think for a team being shit. For as long as they've been, which is four four years, five years, and and then what message that sends to the rest of the competition? If you're that bad for that long, we'll just bail you out. So so, I see both sides of it, and I come to my personal view, right? Nothing to do with my journalism or my reporting. My personal view as a football fan is that it is too much. Three picks inside twenty is too much help. It gives them yep. too much ability to. What's to stop them from taking? picks 19 and 20 next year and turn them into more futures and more picks. And they're going to be armed with all these things. And then in five or six years' time, if they all hit, they go bang. And then they jump all these mid-tier clubs like St. Kilda and Fremantle and Essendon, who haven't got a great record in winning finals in the last 10 years. The Western Bulldogs, I mean, they won a premiership in 2016. But these mid-tier clubs that are holding on for relevance, that are desperately trying to improve, and North Melbourne get all this help. It's, I don't agree with it. And let, let me balance this argument a little bit more. Gillan McLaughlin's first press conference as AFL CEO, he sat there and said, I want to make sure that by the time that I leave this post, that every team supporters can go to the footy on a Saturday afternoon and think that their team has a genuine chance of winning. And Mitch, we talked about this in the first episode of Tradies. This is ultimately the fabric of what we talk about. Every team is trying to improve their list every year to get as close to a flag as they can. The AFL has done that, Mitch. Like, it's never been more even. The difference between 5th and 16th this year, or 5th and 15th, really. I mean, Hawthorne struggled and won some games late, but the difference between 5th and 15th was barely anything. Like, we're all taking the piss about how hard tipping contests were. Yeah. It goes against the fabric of what Gillan McLaughlin's legacy has been that they turn around at the end of it and say, oh, North, no worries. Here's some more help. I want to know why this year is so much stronger than the handout they got last year. So last year, they got given a future second and third rounder that they were told they must trade. They then went to Fremantle and packaged both of those up. They got Griffin Logue and Darcy Tucker. North Melbourne were a basket case last year. They finished last on the ladder again. This year, they weren't even the worst team in the competition. And the hand they've been given, way outweighs the hand they were given last year. And they're a better team. So they go and get... The end of first round pick this year, then they get picks 19 and 20 for next year. I just can't fathom with the same leadership and the responsibility of the AFL. Yes, Andrew Dillon's coming in, Laura Kane's the EGM of footy. It's the same people making the same decision last year. If they were so happy to give them the, the picks this year, where were they last year when they were way, way worse? And for me, one thing sums up why North Melbourne shouldn't get these hand of picks right now, that Jared Pollock's five-year deal still has a month to run. He signed a five-year deal four years and 11 months ago to play for this footy club that expires October 31 of 2023. This is a club that went and got Pittard, 
Pollock less than five years ago, thinking they were in the window ready to contend. Jared Pollock's been playing local footy for a year. He was delisted at the end of last year as a rookie. He was brought in on a five-year deal at seven fifty dollars a year, thinking this club was in the window, that he was maybe the finishing piece. Yes, they had to trade that pick out. They got Taron Thomas in as an academy. academy player because they had to, you know, got rid of that pick for the points. But how this club deserves, and this is not, you know, people might say, oh, it's my Geelong bias, Chris Scott, whatever. No, no, no. Every other club, and finally, gladly, a club has gone on the record because every club you speak to cracks the shits they, on this. Yeah, they complain off the record. And they don't and put their not, name to it. Yeah, totally. Brief off the record. We all like that. Yep, give us a call. Fair enough. But finally, someone's gone out and put their neck out on this. And forever, I think the clubs will be appreciative of what Chris Scott's done in the last 24 so, hours. So you've tapped into something really important there, and that is, you know, that five years ago, and I hadn't even thought about Pollock. It's such a good point that you raise. And you know, that they thought five years ago that they they were in the window, right? Which brings me back to my point about some of the wounds being self-inflicted. I was talking to Lee Matthews this week and like I most of the time with Lee, I just end up doing 98% of the listing because he's just so fascinating to listen to and also I'm scared. Um, but <laughs> no, I'm just not scared. I'm intimidated. He said, I made that point to him. I said, you know, some of these wounds are self-inflicted. And he said, yeah, but does that matter? I went, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you know, for teams, for teams, no good. Like they're no good. What does it matter that they made bad decisions. Like, of course they made bad decisions. That's why they're no good. And that's, that's why Lee's yeah. so good is it like he simplifies everything. But my, my, my point is that if that's the case though, we go back to the big short movie. Like if you know you're going to be bailed out, what does it matter? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of like being in a video game and being like, well, yeah. it, do, it, it, it doesn't matter if I don't try because at the end of it, I just get to restart yeah. with full health. And, and this, is what we, this is what we've created. And this will sound like I'm having a go at the AFL. I'm actually not. I'm saying that the AFL has done so well in the last decade to create an equalised competition with the TPP, the soft cap, equalisation me- measures in the draft to even it up, next-gen academies. We don't actually need to do this. North Melbourne can figure it out themselves and get themselves out of a hole. I, I, I don't understand how picks 19 this year and picks 19 and 20 next year are going to help them right now. They'll help them in four years' time when they're already coming through and they'll be topped up and then they'll start being really good. So, look, it, to me, I don't agree with it. Also, just I know we've got a lot to talk about. There is no way, there is no possible way that Essendon can let them get picked through. For the Ben Mackay Just before you, go, before you go into that, I just want to make one final point on North Melbourne. So the AFL statement yesterday comes out and says, while the package is set for two years, the AFL Commission reserves the right to review special assistances in 2024. Now, there is no way, and you just said, how do these, how do these picks help North Melbourne right now? There is no way 19 and 20 for 2024 are on their books into this trade period. Yeah, just trade North them. Melbourne, they're going to trade them now. They're going to trade them and it's and ridiculous. go to market on it. They're no doubt going to eye that Western Bulldogs early pick. And there's no doubt they're going to eye that Gold Coast early pick because they need to get it off their books, the academy. There is no sane situation where North Melbourne end this trade period with those two picks on their book because let's say they win eight games next year. Clarko's already shown us at the end of this year that he wants to win games. The AFL will just strip them. So North Melbourne have two – it's like the free hit in cricket. They can just go bang. And so- Apologies on – yeah. No, no, not at all. It's a good point. Like, like, it's a lot of passion around this one. And before we get off it, there's just there's no way Essendon can let them, can give them a deal that gets North pick three. Like, ha, ha, there's never been a person with a more unique position in this whole thing than Brad Scott right now. He he was the guy that coached them to their last prelim, nearly took them to a grand final, and he was the guy that sat at the other end of the the table to Alistair Clarkson last year when they went to the AFL for help. And he was like, I know what it's been like, what it's like to coach a club like North Melbourne. I, I was literally coaching there. So I, I can't see now that he's coaching a rival club and one of their star players 
is coming there. Like, if I'm Essendon, I'm just offering him a terrible, like, low money. Yeah, but but then they'll be forced into – like, so, yes, I understand that Brad Scott Owen, he doesn't want to give no, North no, Melbourne but, pick Mitch, free, Mitch, but, he, Mitch, but they, they get him for free. Yeah, but for, but force a trade. But but then what – I guess I don't have to get into a bidding war. You, you, no, yeah, no, you no, pay no, the no, extra no, 100, 150 off, grand. No, no, just offer pick 80. This, this is the thing. This is the sad thing about all of this is that Ben Mackay is now being used as a pawn in this whole chess game, and North Melbourne are responsible for that. But isn't that every trade? Like, no, no, you know, no, why, no, did, no but, why did West Coast give up yeah, three first-rounders for Tim Kelly, essentially? But but this is different because North don't want to keep Ben Mackay. True. they still And they haven't offered him – They well, to this point, I still don't believe they've offered him a financial offer. They were waiting for the that, offer to come in elsewhere. By the way, is like suddenly news that he's injured? Oh, what you 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 slamming my story from last week? No, 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 no. But I'm no, I'm reiterating it. Like he, he needs surgery. Yeah, the medical. I was told by multiple people the medical showed some concerns. But but which but, medical? Oh, at least two of the three. So one didn't do a medical. I haven't been able to ascertain the third one. Did North do a medical on him at the end? Well, no, I'm talking to the three, as in Sydney. I'm, I'm talking about Sydney. North. Did North do a medical on him when he left? But why would they need to do one? Well, because he's a free agent. You want to—he's <laughs> a free agent that allegedly you're trying to keep, right? This is my whole point about it's just a ruse that North don't want to keep him, and he's now being used as a pawn in this in this chess game, and it's 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 unbecoming of of the system for me, and I, I just don't think that the, the AFL have have created this that they've gone down this path and they've 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 allowed it to happen, and I don't think they needed to. I know the Herald Sun's been reporting, you know, similar with the Gresham situation. We'll, we'll, we'll see deals go through. I know the AFL does have parameters; they have to tick off every deal as well, but you can overpay for one player, then you can pay the portion of another player, get them off your books. There is there is open for manipulation. Every time we talk about this, I get a mate who is a fa- fanatical ice hockey fan say to me, there's one simple solution for this. The team in Essendon scenario, when you're free agency, you just have to give up a, a pick in that like in that realm. You have to find a way to get a pick in that realm. And free agency happens, yep, he's free to walk, but the, the pick must come out of the club going. It's either that or you just scrap compensation completely otherwise. Well, it's, it's not really free agency though if the club has to come up with it. It's basically just trading. But the player, the free the free aspect of it works where the, the, like the player is free to move. So I do I do get what you mean, but like yeah, but the free the, aspect the current scenario is also free to get. I know what you mean. It's like free minute movement, but in, in our scenario, we we see free agency. If we cost you nothing, you just have to pay, pay yeah. your salary. And to reiterate, Ben McKay is a restricted free agent as opposed to you know a lot of other deals that go through where they're unrestricted and they can move without any any ability to match a bid. I'm just glad that Brad Scott hasn't got you running their TPP because you'd be paying Ben McKay 850 grand. Well, Essendon need young talent. So if I'm running their TPP, I'm giving him an extra 150. What, what is the value of a top 15, 20 pick? I, I think it's, I think the value of pick 15 is much better being spent by Essendon at the tra- at the draft than having to give it up for a Ben McKay. Me and Scotty and, are very excited you- for end of tradies post drinks because we both talk about how generous you are with cash. Yeah. I'll shout the first round. You'll be shouting all the rounds. After your next round. <laughs> hey, there's still some tickets left for the tradies lunch. It's October 13, 12 to three. It's at Hotel Collingwood, three course lunch. I'll buy the first round at the tradies lunch. Oh boy. Espresso martinis? Yeah. No. Or they're, they're, later, they're later in the day. Okay, three uh, course lunch nice mineral water. Included. <laughs> yeah, Hotel Collingwood. Are you are you on TV that night? I I plan to be. Ah, oh, that's disappointing. Maybe we can convince him not to. Still, some tickets left. Uh, 
the link is in the bio and it's also in the show notes. So if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes or iHeart, wherever you get them, it should be in the show notes. Scotty's putting them in there. So there's still some tickets left. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Love to be part of the inaugural Tradies Lunch and have, you know, first rights at uh, being there every single week. Make sure you rate and review. Um, and by the way, we hit a really big milestone with our listeners this week. So just like to say thank you to everyone who's jumped on board Tradies. Hope you're um, enjoying it. Um, if you're not, please don't tell us. Good thing there's no way of really contacting me. You can contact Mitch with all the feedback that you get. Any good feedback from you before we get into the whiteboard? Actually, today I was standing at Springfield in the scorching heat. It was about 28 degrees. I had a cap on. I don't like to usually be seen with a cap in a suit, Sam, but I today was wearing a hat on my head. It was hot. And I had a bloke in a high-vis tradies kit. I forget his name, so apologies. I put my hand up. He came up to me with tradies on his phone. He said, I've just finished listening to last week's app. I said, mate, he goes, Nuts and Bolts was my favourite. I said, well, you know, this week as a Brisbane fan, you you know, there's a bit to like in Nuts and Bolts Ooh. before the grand final. You do good, do a good tease. That's that's one of the reasons they made you chief. And before we sign off on the North Melbourne aspect of the show, Todd Goldstein requesting and telling North Melbourne that he wants a move out of the club. He is an unrestricted free agent, so he's free to go wherever he chooses. Essendon is one of the clubs interested now. Interesting today to learn that Sam Draper has gone for groin surgery. The Bombers are hopeful he's back running by January. Obviously, with his history in this space, that is no guarantee. So an extra layer as to why the Bombers have gone after Todd Goldstein. I questioned it, given they've Draper seemed like a, a long-term star. Nick Bryan, the young emerging ruck when they've just signed on a two-year deal. It feels to me that Todd Goldstein could have a big part to play at, North, at uh, Essendon next year. And it's my understanding that as part of this package that Essendon will put to him will involve some coaching sort of post um, footy as well with obviously the links to Brad Scott. So it is something to ponder um, for Todd Goldstein, especially now with, with Draper and some some long-term concerns over him. When I first heard Essendon, Mitch, I sort of raised my eyebrows. It's like, why would he go somewhere mm. where he's not going to be first choice? Like he's such a gun. Like he hasn't – it's not as though he's gotten slower or worse or like he, I feel like he'd be a first choice ruckman in so many places, but – not lessening because Draper looks like he's going to be a superstar and he's and he's young. But the more I think about it, and we have, we haven't actually talked about this aspect of trade a lot this year, you and I. But so I think Todd's from that area. Is he from Mooney Ponds, or I'm just trying to remember. Um, Rings a bell. I think he played for Oakley as a as a TAC Cup player. I'm pretty sure but he, he's he does live that sort of town. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. he probably lives like you know obviously Arden Street, um, and and Windy Hill are not that far away. Now, granted. Tullamarine's a different story. But what I'm saying is that, like, he probably is in a situation in his life where he doesn't want to move house. He's he's happy where he is with his with his family. He can go somewhere that he he's familiar with because he knows the coach, good relationship with Brad Scott, the guarantee of being a backup, you know, now that Draper's uh, groin surgery. And, you know, anyone that knows Todd knows that he's got a really good footy brain and was always going to be at a good coach, whether that's a development coach as a ruckman or, you know, going into assistant or, or senior coaching. So the more I've thought about it, the more it makes sense. It's mm. it's a decent pickup, I think, for Essendon because it costs them nothing and they get a really good quality ruckman as a backup that may turn into into something else. Just a couple of other trades that have been uh, sort of mentioned in the last week. Massimo D'Ambrosio of Essendon. Are you throwing these been... on your whiteboard? Because I've sort of like the whiteboard was going no. to be left – free in grand final week for two reasons. One, out of respect to the grand final and two, because all the clubs go to grounds. So I haven't got any 
whiteboard. No, these aren't going on my whiteboard, okay. but they are just little uh, ones to pondering grand final week. It's my interest, I guess uh, you could say, in the last in the last week. Massimo D'Ambrosio, I think he had been offered a one-year deal to stay at Essendon, but Hawthorne's come calling with a longer-term deal. Now, there's Brockman's leaving to go to West Coast. Wingard's out for the first, at least the first half of next year. I think the role might be wing half back, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him play a bit more forward. They need a bit more support in that small forward role at the Hawks. And then Jacob Kaczynski from the Hawks requesting a trade to Richmond. Now, we'd all been waiting to see who Richmond would bring in to be Tom Lynch's sidekick after Jack Revolt's retirement. Adam Uze will have a big part to play in this, given he was at Hawthorne originally when Kaczynski got drafted, spent two or three years with Kaczynski at Waverley Park and now comes in um, to keen to see what the Hawks do uh, in attack as well. He, he's been a bit hit and miss, Jacob Kaczynski, at his best, shown he's at the level, but um, you know has had some quiet games. So keen to see how he, he fits in at Richmond, but we'll get plenty of, of opportunity. Yeah, and I just wanted to mention um, Brody Grundy before we get into um, mm. last, last night being the, the Brownlow and then nuts and bolts. It is fascinating to me that Collingwood are genuinely threatening to pull out of their contractual obligations to Brody Grundy if he moves to a third club. Now I've wrestled with this and Collingwood's position will be, we had a deal with Melbourne that the trade value that we agreed on was only um, reached because of the value that we agreed to pay of his million dollar contract. You are now giving him to another club. The, 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 The contract is now null and void. We don't owe anything. Grundy and Melbourne are sitting there and saying, hang on, that you signed the original deal, seven years at a million bucks. You then pushed him out of the club and said, we'll pay for some of it so that we would take him. And now because it hasn't worked out here, you're threatening to lob it all on Brody's head and Sydney's for what for what it's worth. That doesn't feel right. Now, so they're the, they're the two arguments. So where do you where do you fall on this one, Mitch? I think Collingwood should pay every cent they guaranteed Brody at the end of last year because the deal as as I've been told multiple times, Brody Grundy has a deal with Melbourne and he's got a deal with Collingwood. Now, that Collingwood deal should be seen through regardless of who he's playing for. It doesn't. No, no, Collingwood but, but, signed but, off on that last no, year. Very- There's no deal between. There's no deal between Melbourne and Collingwood. The deal is between Collingwood and Brody and Melbourne and Brody. But no, but that but fundamentally there has to be, even if it's a, even if it's a handshake agreement, fundamentally there has to be a deal between the two clubs. Because I had to agree who was going to pay what. My view is if I sell you a car for 30 grand and you go sell it to the next bloke up the street in a week or 10 years, it's got nothing to do with me. Collingwood signed off on that this year last year. They've still got that deal with Grundy. No matter who he plays for, that Melbourne that Melbourne part of the deal is is got nothing to do with Collingwood. That's my view. I think the trade, they gave up the pick in the 20s. The trade goes through. That's fine. But Collingwood last year gave a commitment to Brody Grundy that they would continue to pay that portion of his wage. Melbourne picked up the tab. And I think Melbourne, when Brody moves from Melbourne to Sydney, Melbourne can either wipe their hands of it, which no doubt they, they probably will, or they pay a portion of it and get a better pick. No, they're not going to do that. From no, Melbourne, but, Melbourne have been adamant that they're paying zero. Obviously yeah, well, correct. or they just then they just get market value as they should. But what you, you're saying that Collingwood have rights and should have the right to be able to to rip it up and say, Brody, no, thanks and, and goodbye. We're not paying you anymore. No, I don't. In my heart, I don't think that's right. However, if I was running Collingwood, if I was Jeff Brown who wrote a lot of the AFL rules, or if I was Craig Kelly, who you know you and I know Mitch, having dealt with him, like he's hmm. the best there is when it comes to 
player movement deals, like him and Paul Connors are the two the two doyens, right? They get deals done. He knows about this. If I'm if I'm one of those two, I'm turning around and saying, Hey, we had a deal with we had a deal with Brody Grundy going to Melbourne. That's how we arrived at the trade. We arrived at this trade value because we agreed to pay $350,000 of his million. You're now giving him to another club. It's nothing to do with us. Goodbye and good luck. Now, I don't think that's right, but I'm saying if I'm Collingwood, I'm doing everything I can to dig my heels in. Yeah, I I can see that. I just think it's a bit cheeky from Collingwood. And and absolutely, but, they're but, within but, their but rights. Business is cheeky. Like, at the end of the day, we're, we're yeah. all trying to win flags, right? Yeah. I hear you on that. Anyway, it's a fa- like this. It's a fascinating one. Like I, I genuinely think, if there were two mm. people in football who you wanted to argue for you on this, it would be Craig Kelly and Jeff Brown, because <laughs> neither of them are scared yeah. scared of anyone. They're not going to get intimidated by the AFL. They're not going to get intimidated by player managers. Like it's, but look, my my personal view is it'll get worked out, and that Grundy will get to Melbourne as Sydney, and they're not going to be paying him a million bucks. Because the worst thing that could happen here. The worst thing that could happen is that Sydney shit themselves and get scared off and go, hey, guys, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but you guys look like you need to sort some shit out. It's like the the boyfriend and the girlfriend break up. One of them finds a new partner early and there's still being stuff being worked out in the original relationship. And they're like, hey, look, you guys aren't ready for this. You know, like I'm just, you guys sort your shit out. I'm, I'm out. You know, call me, call me when, you've, when it's time to move on. And you talk about, Craig Kelly, well, he might have to deal with his old Collingwood teammate and Gary Pert. So imagine, it's just funny that, you know, mm. 32, three years after they played together, they're there, probably button heads over a deal like this. I, I know everyone's desperate for um, nuts and bolts, and I'm so excited for the Josh Shunkley one. We haven't done it. We've been building up. He's playing in a grand final. Just before that, a, a, a man that was also a best and fairest um, under contract when he left, like, like Dunkley was. Amazing that two of their star midfielders were best and fairest with rival clubs that they poach. Anyway, I just thought I'd remind everyone, when Lockie Neal left Fremantle, essentially Fremantle got pick six from Brisbane. Freo then passed that on to Melbourne for Hogan. Melbourne passed that pick on to Gold Coast for Stephen May. Gold Coast used that take, used that pick to take Ben King. And we know what ended up happening was that Freo ended up leaving uh, sorry, Hogan ended up leaving Freo for GWS for I think it was pick forty-five. I think uh, maybe slightly off on that, but but basically yeah, it wasn't much. Basically nothing at the end. So you look at all of the mm. all of the parties in that transaction. Melbourne got Stephen May, which he helped. It was one of the key drivers to a flag. I don't think that's too dramatic to say. Suns have got Ben King, who looks like he's going to be a seventy-plus goal kicking forward. GWS have Hogan, who's playing as good a footy as he was when he was twenty. Brisbane have Neil, who's won two Brownlows, and if Patrick Cripps didn't get let off at the AFL uh, appeals board, would be a triple Brownlow medalist. Like, remember that. He polled the most votes under Cripps last year. Oh, yeah. And into a grand final. And Brio uh, left a little cold in the dark. So just so that element of the – with the GWS involved in that original deal way back, or are you saying now that they've got Hogan on their books as of 2023? Yeah, no, sorry. You, yeah, you're right. I'm just saying that, that GWS was a – ultimate benefactor down the track of this because they ended up picking up Hogan for peanuts. Yeah. And on, yeah, on the, on his form in the last four to six weeks, that deal originally from Fremantle's in stacks up a right, but he's now wearing orange. Yeah. Anyway, Nuts and bolts time. Time for this. Hello, my beautiful friends and family. Guess what? I am back. I am back. Third time lucky. My third time drafted in my life. I'll be making a return to footy. 
as a part of the Carlton Draft, along with some big household names. Not as big as my name, but uh, some quite big names. Isaac Smith, Trent Cotchin, Matty Lloyd, Lee Montagna. Some of the all-time greats of our game, as I've just mentioned. One lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT Aaron Phillips to play as a wild card. How bloody good is that? If you're a part of women's community footy and you are keen to get Aaron down, enter now at thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com.au. 18 plus, drink responsibly. Jeez, we're working well together on the road, aren't we? I hope this audio is... uh... As crisp as it sounds from my end. It'll be, it, it, it'll be better than, than, than I was in, in Byron. People still talk about that. That's all right. Uh, Josh Dunkley. Woo, I'm excited. It's been a fair ride. And I, I was trying to calculate this. He would have spoken to almost half of the clubs in the competition over his journey. Started way back in 2015 when he started to rise up through the ranks playing for Gippsland Power in the TAC Cup. His father, Andrew, a star. Previously at the Sydney Swans, he had rights to go to Sydney as a father-son. He wrestled with it all year. Will I, won't I? He eventually ended up nominating Sydney as a father-son. And the Swans became the first club to knock back a father-son bid and let him walk to the Bulldogs with a pick in the early 20s of that season. So the Swans made history. Which didn't go down well with the family. By letting him walk to the Bulldogs? Yeah, I think there was a feeling that the Swans should have fought harder for it. Right. So it was originally reported at the time that I think the Swans appreciated and they felt that Josh would be better suited in, in, in Victoria, close to his family, in Gippsland way down Yarram. You're shaking your head. Don't think so. Okay. 2016, he's an AFL Premiership player in his first season and 17th AFL game. He wins a Premiership for the Western Bulldogs. 2017, seven games and shoulder injury. A couple of years later, he finishes second in the Best and Ferris 2019 to Marcus Bonson-Pally. He's about to explode in what's that? He's fifth year of AFL footy, Josh Dunkley, for a player who was questioned on his kicking. Does he have impact at the level? He finishes second behind Bont in the 2019 Charlie Sutton medal. 2020 starts the year on fire, plays the first three games as a midfielder, then ankle injury, syndesmosis, rehabs in the hub, finishes the year by playing 38% of centre bounces, well down the pecking order when it comes to midfielders. So started the year in the midfield at the Western Bulldogs, Ultimately, at the end of the year, was being asked to play that forward ruck role. The hub life, I think there was a combination of a few things. People speak about Luke Beveridge and his breakdown with the coach. For me, I think their working relationship was always pretty sound and they they got on okay enough to be a competent player coach. For me, it was the immaturity of the Western Bulldogs playing group that led him to request a trade at the end of the year when Essendon came knocking with a five-year deal. Hang on, what do you mean immaturity? It was the partying. I don't think everyone... Even three, four years after that, they won the, the premiership. And a lot of those players aren't at the Western Bulldogs or, and, and are well gone now um, out of the AFL system. It was the partying. It was the after hours. I think they enjoyed the life of being an AFL footballer a little too much. Josh isn't necessarily that way inclined. And I think combination of a few factors, not seeing eye to eye with a, a lot of teammates. Now, Josh Dunkley, the way I read it and, and people I've spoken to, isn't a demonstrative guy. He's not going to go in and, and slam the door and 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 have it out with with players. I think it was just a build up of, of time, the immaturity of that playing list and those around the Western Bulldogs that led him to maybe looking and exploring elsewhere. He spoke to the Bombers. Five year deal came from them. Essendon assured him it would get done. It didn't. It was the story of the twenty twenty trade period, among others. Uh, obviously everything that went on with Collingwood 
uh, Adam Trelaw, and we'll get to that. But the last offer from Essendon for Josh Dunkley, with two years remaining on his contract, mind you, I must, I must stress, he had, at the end of 2020, he's finished the year prior, second in the BNF, he's emerging, he's then been asked to play this forward ruck role, he's got two years left on his contract, he's requested a trade to the Bombers. The Bombers, on the last day of the trade period, offered pick seven, and a future second rounder. It's the dogs want pick enough. seven. It's just not enough when someone is requesting to come to your club and you've been yeah. that bad for that long. Like, it just, ugh. It's like the Sydney one we spoke about like a few weeks ago with Danaher. They assure the player that will get you out of your contract and make it work. Yeah, and but they that, didn't come to the that party. That was a little bit different because Sydney always said that Danaher came to them rather than the other the other way around. Anyway, sem- semantics a little bit. I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but it's yeah. just I, the do- I, I'm the, the Bulldogs. I'm knocking that deal back every day of the week as well with two years left on his deal. Yep. And they want to pick seven and another first rounder, as you say. So the deal falls flat. Ironically, at the same stage, in the dying stages of the same period, Essendon's trying to deal with the Dogs on Dunkley. The Dogs are also simultaneously having conversations with Collingwood on Trelaw. Now, the Trelaw deal happens, he comes in, and Trelaw and Dunkley, frankly, whatever you want to call it, become best mates. 2021, Josh Dunkley returns to the Bulldogs, a little bit tail between the legs, but he's professional enough to return to that footy club with the final two years left on his contract. First six games of that season, he averages 30 disposals as a midfielder, does his shoulder, hurts it a couple of times, and returns as a forward. Plays in the grand final in the year of 2021 for the Western Bulldogs and is among their best players in the loss to Melbourne that year in the grand final. Heading into 2022, everyone knows that Josh Dunkley is heading into a contract year, his final year of the contract he tried to break a couple of years prior. Good news around him re-signing at the start of the season. Plenty of good chatter, even talk that he may even put pen to paper in the off-season heading into 2022. That doesn't eventuate. Gets to May of 22. Still positive talks. Amit Bades goes on SCN and says he's interviewed. He's been interviewed in the last few weeks, Josh Dunkley, and he's been really positive about remaining at the club. I think the discussions with Sam, being Sam Powell, the list manager, have been having with his management have been really positive. So at this stage, the chat around Josh Dunkley staying at the Bulldogs is positive. Now, for me and the way I read it, came down to a couple of things. The role, he wanted a bigger midfield role. That never really came. At the end of 2022, he finished fifth in the list of rankings at the Western Bulldogs in terms of centre bounces behind Bonson Pally, McRae, Bailey Smith and Liberatore. So Josh Dunkley was crying out to be a midfielder. He wanted to be a midfielder and, and people around him saw that it that way. He finished fifth in terms of the CBA. Fast forward to this year, he's now second behind Lockie Neal. We'll get to, to more of that. Now, a couple of years earlier... Essendon told him they'd get the deal done. It didn't happen. I think at that stage, Josh Dunkley had his head around that if I'm not staying at the Western Bulldogs, I'm going to look around and move interstate. It's that time of my life where I've got the age of 25. I might, if I'm not staying in Victoria and not staying at the Western Bulldogs, I'm happy to look around interstate. I can't see myself at another Victorian club, especially what had happened with Essendon. At the Bulldogs, the, the talk's still positive. We're hoping he can stay. We can hoping he, he can stay. The dogs are working through a few others. They've got some other contract, you know, at the time they're, they're working through some big ones around uh, English and a few of these guys that they're also trying to, to sort through. They tick those off. The Dunkley deal, I wouldn't say he was low-balled, but he was waiting for a bigger deal to come that didn't come until super late in the 2022 season. And by that stage, he's had his eyes opened by Brisbane and Port Adelaide. So the dogs eventually came to the party with money. I think he moved still to the lines on bigger cash. I don't think he 
took massive overs to go to the Lions compared to what the Bulldogs came to eventually. But it was the fact that the Dogs all year were talking externally about the positive talk that he'll stay. And the, they didn't really match it at the at the uh, negotiation table for Josh Dunkley to remain so what, at the footy club. So what you're saying is that they would talk in the talk without walking the walk? Yeah, essentially. I think that they eventually got there, but it was too late the fact that he had his eyes opened by the power and lines. Now, late in the season, I'm told it was a meeting at the house of Chris Fagan that made up his mind to want to decide the lines over the power. Chris Fagan was there, head of football Danny Daly was there, and list boss Dom Ambrosio was in the house as well. Three-hour meeting, Josh Dunkley has flown into Brisbane to meet with these guys. And the way it was put to me was that it, the conversation went that well with Chris Fagan that Josh Dunkley almost missed his flight back to Melbourne. <laughs> now, that's how they hit it off, and now Chris Fagan is his coach. September 3, the Dogs lose an elimination final of Fremantle when they led by stacks. I think it was 40-plus early in the game. They ended up losing that game to Fremantle in the West Optus Stadium. Josh Dunkley flies back from the West to Melbourne for his exit meeting. The weekend later, so seven days after he's lost that elimination final, he flies to Adelaide where his girlfriend Tipper is playing netball and he meets with Travis Boak on that same weekend. Port Adelaide used Boak as part of their negotiation that weekend. A whole eight days after meeting Travis Boak, having already met with Fagan, Dom Ambrosio and, and Danny Daly, he tells the Western Bulldogs, with his contract expiring, he wants a trade to Brisbane on a six-year deal, which I believe is somewhere between seven to $800,000 a season. Good business from Brisbane. A few different factors. His sister, Lara, lives in Queensland playing netball up there. His girlfriend, Tipper, although she's living in Adelaide at the time, the family is from Queensland. He sees his future and long-term life being in Queensland. And the clincher for me on this was his brother, Kyle, who was drafted to Melbourne as a mid-season draftee, uh, spent a bit of time at the Western Bulldogs VFL, uh, Footscray VFL. The Lions came and said, we'll we'll put you in a house with Kyle and he can play VFL as part of our team. So the Kyle and the brother factor was a big part of that. Not to mention the Dunkleys have a holiday house in Noosa, which I must add is a, a beautiful part of the world. So it all sort of, the world aligned for Josh Dunkley to request a trade to Brisbane. You haven't got, you haven't got any, Lifestyle one. any more information yeah. who's... Whose dog was well? Goldfish was was coming up. You've even got the holiday house in Noosa. This this is why they. This is why you're the best. This is why you're the chief. So a few factors: lifestyle one, being able to live in Queensland; two, the role; three, I think the lingering immaturity of the Western Bulldogs list. Their partying lifestyle. I think it had been cleaned up a bit from originally when he requested a trade, but it was still sort of lingering a bit. And then the fourth factor of the financial, which I don't think was the main reason he requested a trade to go to Brisbane, but. The fact that the dogs took their time, eventually came to the party, but he'd had his mind swayed, was a reason why he requested a trade. Now, last year, it was on between Brisbane, the dogs. There was talk about the preseason draft. We'll, we'll get him through all of that. It eventually goes down. Josh Dunkley and two future third rounders for pick 21, a future first rounder, a future second rounder, and a fourth rounder. So essentially, pick 21 and a future first rounder for Josh Dunkley goes to the Brisbane Lions footy club where not right now behind Lockie Neal, he's their most important midfielder playing 80% midfield centre bounces, having last year left the Western Bulldogs playing just over uh, 50% centre bounce. So he's now playing his role, had a huge role on Crips on the weekend. Yeah, it was really good. Kept him to 13, 14 disposals, picked up 16 contested possessions on his own 
Josh Dunkley, and now he's about to play in a grand final. Is it the air raid for the third time? The air chasing his second premiership. It's the air, it's the air raid siren. You, you, you started getting into disposal counts, and plus, I think Scotty was actually it's actually teeing up the um, the, the clap off music for the Oscar speeches that go too long. <laughs> it was a it was a grand final edition of Nuts and Bolts for the ages. Oh, thank you. No, I uh, think he's been a massive asset. I know it's air raid siren, but he for me air raid siren. Yes. He has to go to Dugowie to start that game on the weekend. Yeah, interesting. Air Raid Siren's going to keep playing because I, I, I'm not sure I agree. D- different sort of players. But that was um, that was a great historical piece. I mean, I think to go all the way back, you know, to the draft and then the, the Essendon interest and you know, the contract coming too late and, and then, you know, allowing clubs to sort of to prick their interest. Mitch, I think, is a really good point that goes underrated with all this stuff. You know, is it like – There was an offer – there was an offer throughout the year for the Bulldogs. I just don't think it was, you know, at the level they ended up coming to later in the season. Yeah, yeah. I just think cl- players like it's like any job, isn't it? You sort of like there's there's a lot of employees, but each player, particularly because they're professional athletes with egos, and that's not negative by the way. Like healthy egos about driving themselves to perfection. They all need to feel loved in their own individual way. Hmm. And it's a hard thing to manage. That's why players end up leaving. You know, I was having a good look at um, the two teams playing on the grand final. I think there's seven Brisbane players from opposition teams and six from Collingwood. So, you know, you just have to like, I know a lot of it's drafting. We are talking about North Melbourne earlier with the picks they've got, but a lot of it's what we've been talking about every week in nuts and bolts. Is it the, the lengths that teams go to to get players out of other clubs? There's no better example than Josh Dunkley and how important he's been. So many sliding door moments. Bobby Hill could have been playing for Essendon and had that trade gone through the year before he ended up at Collingwood. Yep. Jeremy Howe goes to meet with Nathan Buckley in Bali thinking he was going to go to Collingwood as a forward. Now he's one of the best intercept defenders for the last five, ten years um, at, at, uh, at Collingwood. Tom Mitchell, you know, I, don't, I think if it, was, if it wasn't Craig McRae, I don't think that deal goes through given the links and the, you know, Tom Mitchell's manager, the same as McRae and the rest of the Collingwood coaching staff. Darcy Cameron, Collingwood fans didn't know who he was when he arrived at uh, the Pies from Sydney on a three-year deal originally. Then you got like Connor McKenna. You know, I spoke to him about he won the All-Island and a couple of hours he's celebrating and he's he's already got his mind on returning to to a, um, the AFL. He met with St Kilda. He met with Geelong. Yep. Um, Port Adelaide had interest in him and he chose Brisbane and now he's better playing it. And the AFL Grand Final. You've spoken at length about Danaher, Calamar Chi. He moved from Gold Coast to Brisbane. That was a, you know, a shrewd pickup at the time. He's about to be uh, a Grand Finalist as well. Link McCarthy played five games in two years at Geelong. Couldn't get on the par. Credit I remember interviewing him at a. I interviewed him in the Port Melbourne change rooms after a Geelong VFL game, and he didn't know what his future held. He, I think the Cats were maybe going to offer him one year. It was just going to peter out potentially. Now he's played 113 games in five years for Brisbane. He's one of their most important forwards. He's been on light duties the last couple of days, but I think he'll, he'll be right to play. So, um, yeah, some great stories heading into this grand final. Okay, Mitchell, good stuff. What's on for the rest of the week? When do you fly back? Fly back on Thursday. The yep. Lions will train at the MCG and then the grand final parade. What does the rest of your week look like? Uh, I am having a relatively... Normal week. What does Grand Final Day look like for Sam McCoy? Uh, a bit of hosting in the morning, in the early afternoon, and then uh, just going to the game. Exciting. I'm pumped for this game. Are you working? Two best teams in it. Yes, I will be working. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the day looks like yet. There's a few moving parts, but I will be on the news that evening. Um, so 
I'll be uh, in one of the rooms. Tom will probably be in the other rooms as well. So we'll see where the cards fall there. Um, is Tom having a farewell yeah. party? That is a very, very good question. I need to work out if and when that oh. is happening. Oh, wow. It's Yeah, no, I, I feel like it's happening and you just haven't been invited. That's what I feel like. <laughs> Every every chance, I need to make some calls on that. When, when Mitch gets asked awkward questions, it's hey, 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 hey. Uh, Sam. I've been in Brisbane for the last six days. I haven't really had time to scratch myself. I don't know what is going on. So oh, there is every chance Tom is having drinks. Here we go. I've been in Brisbane. Everyone feels sorry for me. <laughs> no, Mitchell. Oh. Good stuff. Stay safe in Brisbane, please. And uh, for everyone listening. Huge time of the year, obviously, for us. Um, next week will be our big preview show of the trade period. Um, we're going to keep doing the stuff that we've always been doing. We'll talk about the big issues. Um, we'll have a good look at both of our whiteboards, the deals that are likely to happen, the deals that we think will fall apart. Uh, and then the week after that, we'll be in the middle of the trade period. It'll still be a normal app for us telling you what's going on early in the trade period. The AFL obviously like to stretch it out for their commercial partners, but we're not uh, silly enough to try to do too much, uh, try to do more content than is needed to be. Uh, and then the last three days of the trade period when things gear up, we'll do an episode a night. So Mitch and I will Oof. both be working for our respective, respective um, outlets. We'll come in after. We'll give you the absolute latest. You can listen to it um, that night when Scotty gets it out or you can listen to it first thing in the morning to get yourself the latest. Um, and then we'll do a big wrap um, the night it finishes on the Wednesday. And then one more final ep will probably be on the, uh, the last the Friday after it's done, a couple of days, we'll head to the rising sun across the road, find ourselves a couple of pots in the front row. Dress-ups. Usually players go to the Mad, Mad Mondays at the riser. Yeah, no, good point. We, we will not be doing that. We will just be dressing as ourselves. You can well, you can dress as whoever. In fact, we should dress as each other. I'll dress in a suit with a Channel 7 pin. I've still got a few from home. Yep. I, 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 I stole a few. And, uh, and you can dress as me. I don't know what I dress like, but maybe... I'll be a cap... Um, slick back hair. Yeah. You just slick back your hair, are you? <laughs> Diet red. What I've got most to play with. Uh, stay safe, Mitchell. Thank you, everyone. Please remember, follow Tradies on Spotify or iHeart. Subscribe to iTunes wherever you get your pods. Reach out to Mitch on socials at Cleary underscore Mitch. We are also on Instagram and TikTok at Tradies Podcast. Enjoy the grand final. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, it would be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share it with your friends. So if you want to get in touch, share feedback, suggestions, or to advertise with one of our podcasts, then simply email hello at producey.com. Thanks for tuning in.